Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. Uh, we're going to get into God's Word this morning. We've been in this series of messages on the subject we call the Big G, where we've been talking about generosity, how much generosity can just really change your life. Today I want to end this series by talking with you about next level living. In other words, going on up with your life, reaching for a higher, a higher plane in your life and change. See, I'm the type of person that has to believe that tomorrow can be better than today. I'm the type of person that has to believe that change is possible, you know, that I'm not stuck. I know there's a lot of people who, who just kind of feel like, well, this is where I'm at, and this is who I am, and I'm just kind of stuck in this rut here, and, and things will never be different. But that, and, and I don't really know why people come to those conclusions. Maybe sometimes it's because they've, they've tried New Year's resolutions and it hasn't really worked for them, or um, they, they've given themselves to some lofty goal to improve themselves and, and it didn't really change, or maybe they even paid good money to attend a, a seminar somewhere that, that really hold, held out promise that things were going to be different in their lives, but in the end, it all kind of ended up still being the same, and so it's kind of uh, sapped some of their, their belief, their strength, their, their optimism, uh, you know, that things can be different and things can improve in their life, but that's where the power of the gospel really comes in. The gospel is God saying to you that tomorrow can be different than today is. The possibility of that is so true because of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the word gospel actually means good news. Here's the good news. God can change your life. Tomorrow can be different. You can move up to a higher level in your life in terms of your relationship, not only with life itself, but your relationship with God as well. And it's all possible because of Jesus Christ. He's the one who moves us to the next level. Now, last week, we all experienced uh, something that's fairly rare, and that was the total eclipse of the sun. It didn't totally eclipse here in, so in Salt Lake City, but parts of the nation, it did. And I'm sure you watched some of the coverage of that. I watched some of the coverage of it. I didn't take time to go up to Idaho or something to see it, but I watched it on, on television, and, and some people were watching it on, on, on online and, and so forth like that. And I, it was interesting. I was watching the Weather Channel, and they had some of the commentators. They were, they were sharing how events like this really piqued the interest of people in scientific discovery. It's like whenever something like this happens, you get this whole this whole big group of young people, especially, who decide that they want to give themselves to scientific discovery because they, they have just found us to be fascinating. And, and the take that the, the, uh, that the commentators were making about all of it, kind of the pitch they were making, is that in the next few years, we're going to see this whole new group of scientists come that have been trained and come onto the scene 
and they're going to find out all these new discoveries and we're going to have uh, new technologies that are going to be developed and, and we're going to have new ways of looking at things and we're going to have new cures for diseases. And I have to tell you, I sure hope that they are right. I sure hope that they are right. I hope that technology really advances. I hope that diseases that have struck many people, cures are found for these things. I pray for God to give us the answer to those kinds of things. But over my lifetime, technology has grown in incredible ways. Things that we take for granted today didn't even exist a decade ago didn't even exist two decades ago. It's funny sometimes to watch old television programs and see how they're, they're, they're dealing with issues in, in the storyline of, of the story. And, and today we would almost kind of laugh at it because their, their technology is so limited. And you, and you look at back and you say, boy, that must have been a, a show from 50 years ago and it was like 20 years ago, you know, or 15 years ago. And this is how they were doing it then compared to how we do it today. Technology has just exploded. But you know what? All this technology hasn't fixed everything. It hasn't made everything right. Thinking about that, I was thinking about my grandmother, oddly enough, this past week. My grandmother was uh, 92 years old when she died, and she died in 1973. Now, and I will tell you this too, that she died two weeks, uh, excuse me, she got saved two weeks before she died. She died at 92, and she got saved two weeks. That's cutting it too close, folks. That's cutting it way too close. I will tell you this. Every cuss word I ever learned, ever heard, I heard first out of her mouth. I was the recipient of most of those words, you know. That was her love gift to me, was chewing me out and swearing me out, you know. So she was a hard lady. But just before she passed, Jesus revealed his grace into her heart. She opened her life up. Anyway, she got saved. But that, that's not my point. My point is back at, at my grandmother who died in 1973. And I was thinking about her this past week. All the changes that took place in her lifetime. When she was born, Americans were riding horses to get around. Shortly after that, we, we developed what they call the, the horseless carriage. It was kind of the precursor to the car. Then the, the automobile was developed. And then what happened was automobiles that, that can now easily go over 100 miles an hour. It's inconceivable uh, when she was born, when, when she came onto, the, uh, on, on, onto earth. And then we developed things called airplanes that can fly up in the air. And we developed things called international flight, intercontinental flight between nations, and, and we've been able to make the earth so small compared to what it was in the minds of people just a hundred years ago because it took so long to travel from one place to the other. We, we went from having just bombs to nuclear bombs, you know, and we went all the way from not only going up into space, but all the way to the moon and back safely. I was just thinking about the fact that in her lifetime, they went from, from riding horseback till she was able to see a man walk on the moon. You talk about a transformation. You talk about a change. That's incredible in just one lifetime. Yet with all of those advancements in technology, the heart of man hasn't changed. There is still violence there is still hatred, there is still rioting, 
there is still revolution and there are still people peddling smut, sexual smut, and, and a, a sexual revolution that has promised freedom to everybody has done nothing but put people back into bondage. I can remember that when America first put the first man on the moon, I, I was alive back, I was 17 years of age, and, and I can remember watching with such incredible pride as Neil Armstrong stepped off of, of the lunar landing uh, land, vessel, you know, and onto the moon, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And we were all believing that, you know, that, and that's what they promised us. This is a new leap. It's everything's going to change. You know what I mean? We're going to have so much new now because of the technology that we have begun to develop as human beings. And it was incredible. It's going to bring a new day for America, a new day for the world. It's kind of summed up in the words of a old 60s hit song called Aquarius. Some of you remember that. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Do you want to stand and sway? <laughs> Harmony and understanding. Hey, this is, this is all new. Sympathy and trust abounding. No more falsehoods. Are you kidding me? No more falsehoods. Everybody's going to tell the truth. No derisions. That's mockery. Golden living. Dreams of visions, mystic crystal revelation, and the mind's true liberty. You've got to get rid of this Christian stuff. You've got to get into the, the crystals and, and, and get your mind liberated because that's what's going to bring all of this transformation to all of our lives. And we gave ourselves over to Aquarius. What a crock. Exactly. Aquarius did nothing to stamp out poverty. Aquarius did nothing to stamp out hatred or prejudice or war or porn or violence. And technology will do nothing to fix all of those things either because the basic problem with people isn't a lack of understanding, isn't a lack of education only, isn't a lack of technology. It's a heart problem that only Jesus Christ can fix. Now, I thank God for scientific advancement and discovery, but my faith is not in that alone. In fact, the song that we sing around here fairly regularly still has the words that echo my heart, in Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. I appreciate what technology brings. I thank God for scientific discovery, but my faith is based on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness on Christ the solid rock I stand. Hallelujah. Next level living comes through Jesus Christ alone. And it's only possible because of Him. You may have walked into this building today with a sin grip upon your soul. You live with guilt nearly every waking hour of your life, but you don't have to walk out of here today because Jesus Christ can set you free from that. 
You may have come in here today sick in body, diseased in body. I'm ready to tell you that tomorrow can be different because next level living is possible through Jesus Christ. You may have bondage to drugs, bondage to alcohol, bondage to, to, to porn or other sexual sin, but you don't have to leave here that way. The reason is Jesus Christ. He is the difference. A week ago, a man named Jason walked into our office building needing to talk to a pastor. I was available, and so I talked with him. And he told me how drugs were devastating his life. He said, I've tried everything. I've gone to every program out there. I, uh, and nothing is working for me. It, 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 it's to no avail. But he said, as he was passing our church, something inside told him, go into that place. And so he did. He came in. And he and I started sharing together. And I shared with him the power of God to heal, the power of God to set him free, the power of God to deliver him. I told him about our ministries to people who are dealing with controlling issues in their life. And then we began to pray. And I asked God to set him free from the stronghold that Satan and hell had put upon his life. And I talked with him and I prayed with him in faith because I don't believe that Jason has to live the rest of his life the way he came into this building a few days ago. I believe, I believe that God can take him to a new level, to a next level of life where his life is totally transformed. I've seen it over and over and over again in the people of this church who were once bound by those same drugs and bound under the same stronghold of hell, but today they're set free because Jesus Christ has made a difference in their life. Science didn't do it, and technology didn't do it, and certainly religion didn't do it, but Jesus did it. Hallelujah. Next level living simply means living with faith that tomorrow can be different, that you can be different, that you can be set free, that you can be healed of that disease, that you can be on a new road to victory and change within your life. But for that to happen for you, you're going to, you're going to have to make three decisions with your life. And the first one I would say is this. You're going to have to decide to live with next level desires. Next level desires. Whatever the desires that you have had that have controlled your life up to this point that have brought you to the place of despair, you've got to walk away from those desires and say, I'm going to take on new desires. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And some people read that scripture and they think to themselves that this is a promise from God that he's going to give them anything that they want. Their heart's desire. But that is not what this verse is saying. It's not God giving us what we want. It's us wanting what God wants to give us. What God desires us to have. It's us wanting him to give us the right desires. Look at it that way. It doesn't say he's going to give you everything you want. It's saying he'll give you the right desires. God will give you the desires of your heart. People are by nature 
we're, we're by nature, all of us are very selfish, pleasure-oriented. That's, that's the stamp of the sin nature upon all of us, and we're all that way. The, the closer um, we get to God, the more of that is broken off of us. But I will tell you this, that the Bible reveals the closer we get to the end times and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more pleasure-oriented people are going to be. The Apostle Paul was a mentor to many people, but one of the men he was a mentor to was a guy by the name of Timothy. And Timothy learned from Paul how to, how to follow Jesus Christ. And eventually God called him to lead and pastor the church in, in the Greek city of Ephesus. You've heard of the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. That was, that was written to a group of Christians in the, in the city of Ephesus. And Timothy was the pastor of that city. And this is what Paul wrote to Timothy uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, Mark this, Timothy, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will, and this is one of the characteristics, there are many, but this is one of them. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You know, when I was a young pastor, I had an, an, an older pastor that I admired tell me that if I wanted to make my financial future secure, I needed to start investing in companies that marketed and, and specialized in pleasure-oriented kinds of things. Now, he wasn't talking about smut, and he wasn't talking about sinful stuff. Uh, but he was talking about, you know, investing in companies that maybe like make RVs or like make boat motorcycles or boats or that type of thing. He says, you invest in those kind of things because the Bible says in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure. They're going to have a pleasure orientation. They're going to be spending a lot of money on that kind of stuff. You want to set yourself up good for the future, invest your money in that. I'd like to tell you that I followed his advice, but the problem was I didn't have any money. I asked if I could borrow some money from him to invest, but he declined my offer. I told him I'd return the money, but you know what? Anyway, now I will tell you, though, looking back all of these years, I will tell you that he was right, that the companies that specialized in that kind of stuff have skyrocketed in value. They know what to do out there to get your dollar, and not just your dollar, but everybody's dollar, because they know that people are oriented towards pleasure. They're pleasure-focused. So all around us, we live in that kind of, with that kind of social value. It's a pleasure orientation. So it, because it becomes easy for us, even as Christians, with all of that kind of going around us, to look at scriptures like Psalm 37 and verse 4 and to interpret it to mean that God wants to give us everything that we want. Like he's some kind of heavenly Santa Claus or something. But James says that that kind of thinking is the opposite of what God's purpose is in our lives. Listen to what he says in James chapter 4, verse number 3. He says, even when you ask, he's talking about prayer here, you don't get what you ask for because your motives are all wrong. How are they wrong? You want only what will give you pleasure. Isn't it interesting? You should focus on the word pleasure. What I'm telling you is a focus on pleasure will not take you to the next level. 
Uh, uh, saying, God, I'm serving you as long as I get from you what I want, that's not going to take you to the next level. What Psalm 37 verse 4 is really saying is that a person who wants next level living will ask Jesus to change their heart, their desire, so that they desire what he wants in their lives. If you want God to take you to the next level, you have got to ask him to change your heart in the way that we're talking about to, today, to become like him in this regard, and then let him take you through the process of transformation. Secondly, next level living will require that you live with next level values. Next level values. So what do you value most in your life? Well, I think that's an important question for you to ask yourself. Very important. But the next question is equally important. Are you doing what is necessary to make it happen? So if you allow God to transform your desires, your values, what are those new values going to look like and what are you doing to bring those things to pass? Proverbs 13, 19 says, a desire fulfilled is sweet to the soul. But what I've understood and, 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 and observed is that a lot of people value things in their lives, but they do almost nothing to bring it to pass. For instance, you may value health in your body, your physical body, but continue to act and live in such a way that you're not healthy. You see what I'm saying? It's a contradiction. Oh, I really, really want to be healthy. But you don't live your life in such a way as to bring health into your body. I remember years ago, I really had a strong desire to play the piano, play the keyboard. Kind of like Mike up here on his keyboard. I just, oh, I wish I could do that, you know. And he does it so effortlessly, right? It's just, it's just so beautiful what comes from it. I said, oh, God, I really, really want to become a good keyboard player. I really want to do that. I would give anything to be able to play the keyboard like Mike plays the keyboard up here, except the time to learn how to play the keyboard like Mike plays. <laughs> if God would suddenly just drop into my, into my being the ability, boom, that I could all of a sudden go up there and start wowing you on the, on the ivories, you know, you know, then I would be fine with that. But if I have to actually work to get there, you know, that, that's a whole other deal. That's what I'm talking about here. A lot of people say that they want to be closer to God. I, they value their relationship, and yet maybe they do almost nothing to enrich their relationship with God. So it's not just a matter of what you value. It's a matter of doing the things that will bring to pass the things that you value. So one of the, the best pieces of advice I can give you is, is to begin to think about your life and to take the time to list your top values, the things that are most important to you, the things that are not godly on that list you need to get rid of, but the things that you know that please God on that list, list it out and then to the side put, put down what are you doing to make this happen, to bring this to pass. Now, let me just offer some suggestions when it comes to the issue of your relationship with God. I have found that going to a next level in my relationship with God will require two 
strong primary commitments. The first one is simply this. You've got to make Jesus the top priority of your life. And that means that you have to decide that you're not going to let anything come between you and him. There's a song that we, that we sang a number of years ago uh, here in our church, but it, you know, it, it's, it's older now, and so we don't sing it much anymore. But the, the message of the song has really impacted my life to the point that it, I, I have never forgotten the words of this song. And it's a song by, by Hillsong Worship. Some of, some of you will recognize that. And this is what the words say. This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. And I will tell you that I pray the words of that song nearly every day of my life. You say, isn't that repetition? Yes, it is. But I want Jesus to know that my heart is solely set on him as the top priority of my life. And with his help and with his strength, I'm never going to let anything else crowd in and become more important than my relationship with him. And every time I say those words in prayer to the Lord, it reminds me of the covenant that I have made. Kind of like this ring right here reminds me that 45 years ago I made a commitment and a covenant with this woman right down over here, and I will do nothing to break that covenant, that commitment. So I'm making the same commitment to my Lord that he is number one in my life, and I think that that kind of commitment of some sort on your life goes a long way to establishing next level living in your life. Number two, you've got to spend time with Jesus. And this involves two disciplines. I say discipline because sometimes I don't want to do these things. But discipline causes me to do what sometimes the flesh does not want to do. And the first one is prayer. Prayer is simply time spent with God where you're building your relationship with Him. If I want to have a good relationship with her, I've got to spend time with her. I can't be watching the Dallas Cowboys. You know, some Dallas Cowboy fans, they just watch the games all the time. They're consumed with that, you know. But if I'm going to have a good relationship with my wife, I've got to spend time. I can't be watching the Dallas Cowboys all the time. Amen? Yeah, I mean, that just makes sense. Isn't that right, Sid? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he doesn't spend all his time watching the Cowboys either. But you, you understand, if we're going to have good relationships with people, we've got to spend time. If I want to have a good relationship with my children, I have to spend time with them, with my grandchildren. Same thing's true with God. If I'm going to have relationship with God, I've got to spend time with Him. And, uh, and, and the first key to that is prayer. Prayer is simply me spending time with Jesus. Now, some of you, I think, have, have either been brought up or the devil's told you that you have to virtually have the whole Bible memorized before you can pray well. You have to have all the these and the thous down and all of that stuff. And you know what? That is so totally false. All prayer is is you talking to Jesus. It's just you talking to him. 
So I think that there are three things that are really important in a healthy prayer life, and I'd like to give those to you this morning. The first one I would say is praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving are different. Praise is you acknowledging who Jesus is. And you, we sang about that this morning, about you're my redeemer, my healer, my savior. You know, we were singing these, that's praise unto God. We're telling him who he is in our lives. Thanksgiving is us thanking him for what he has done. Do you ever take time to think about what God has done for you? Say, well, he hasn't done much in my life. You are here instead of in the nicest hospital in Salt Lake City today. That's something that Jesus has done for you, amen? I mean, there's a lot of things that we have to praise God for and thank him for, and we need to become those kinds of people. A second area, I think, of a healthy prayer life is sharing your heart, simply telling God what your desires are, asking him to change those desires if they're off base, asking him to give you new desires. Tell him what you're thinking. Let him, let him deal with you about that. Let him, let him uh, connect with you over those things. And you know, you'll find the relationship becomes beautiful. And then thirdly, it's a sharing of your needs. God cares deeply about what's going on in your life. So commit your needs to him in prayer and then wait patiently for him to answer your prayers. The second discipline I want to talk about is equally important to prayer. And it would just simply be this time spent in God's word. Because if you're going to learn the heart of God, you've got to spend time in his book. That's where his heart is really revealed, is in his book, in his word. But here's the key. Don't just read it, obey it. Obedience has a whole set of blessings that come with it. In fact, the book of James talks quite a bit about people who just uh, read the truth, but don't do it. Who just hear the truth, but they don't do it. So that'll get you nowhere. You've got to obey the word of God. Now, let me, I'm going to give you three quick things that I have learned about obedience. And the first one is this. When you obey in the small things, it sets you up for blessings in the big things. See, we, we adapt this uh, world philosophy that says, uh, don't sweat the small stuff. That's absolutely wrong. Whether you're talking about life on this planet or whether you're talking about eternity, you take care of the little issues. The little issues always take you to the bigger things. Um, Jesus said, because you've been faithful over a little, I'm going to make you ruler over much. So when you're faithful, say, why am, I not why am I not enjoying these great blessings? Have you been faithful in the little things? It's the little things that affect the big things. And when you don't do the little things, the big things won't come. If you obey God in the little areas of your life and, and quit compromising and saying, oh, well, God doesn't, re when you know he does care, you know, get that in line, ask him to forgive you and ask his spirit to give you strength to do the right thing and to grow in that area of your life. It'll set you up when all of a sudden the windows of heaven will be opened upon you and blessings will be poured into your life. Okay. So sharing uh, your needs and obeying God through his word. Secondly, obedience will help others. So when, when you obey, you become an example to other people because they see the blessings of God upon your life. And when you obey God, the, the, it starts having an effect on other people, especially if you're a parent. 
When your kids see your obedience and the blessings of God, so when a father obeys God, it brings blessings upon the whole family. When a boss obeys God, it brings blessings upon the, the whole business and the employees are benefited from all of it. So, so you become a great example to other people. And then lastly, when we obey, God never disappoints us. Sometimes obeying God can have negative results at first, I'll tell you that. Everything doesn't go easy all the time. You can get persecuted because all of a sudden you're starting to obey God and people feel threatened about that. You can kind of be shoved out of the group, you know. You, 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 can, uh, uh, you can be made fun of or all kinds of things can happen. But God will never let you be disappointed in the long run. He'll open new doors of opportunity. He's going to open new relationships into your life. He's going, he's going to guide you into new blessings. I want you to hear that. I want to repeat that. He's going to open up new doors of opportunity for some of you because of the, the direction you're taking with your life in terms of obedience. He's going to send you new relationships. He's going to, he's going to guide you into new blessings. It's out there. It's going, to take, it's going to take place. I know it takes faith to believe it on this side of the blessing, but it will come if you will be faithful to it because God will never disappoint us. The third level of, uh, or the, the third point of next level living will require that you live with next level generosity. And that's what this whole series has been on, living a generous life. You've got to start seeing yourself as a conduit. Too many of us see ourselves as the end result or the end, the end all. So God's blessings come, you know, and that's just for me. They don't come just for you. You've got to start seeing yourself differently. You are a conduit to channel God's blessings to other, be, uh, other people because a conduit is simply a channel taking, directing the supply to the need. The word conduit actually comes from a Latin word which means to bring together. So a conduit is bringing together a supply to a need. So if we're talking spiritually here, a, a conduit is, is bringing God into other people's lives, the supply of heaven into their lives. It connects a supply to a need, and that's how you've got to start seeing yourself. It's not just about me. It's not just I'm the end, re, you know, this is it for me, and this is what God's doing for me. No, it's about letting God send blessings to you and then through you into the lives of other people. So a conduit's purpose is not to get, but to give. That's its ultimate goal. And that's what it takes to move to the next level. God wants to make you his conduit to take his blessings, his supply, to the needs of other people around you so that they too can begin to know the blessings of what you have. Psalm 37 verse 21 says, The godly are generous givers. It's not just talking about money. It's talking about money, but it's talking about more than that. What are you giving to other people? Are you even aware that they need it? You're, you're generous. Verse 26 says, they are always generous and lend freely. This is talking about money. Their children will be blessed because of the way that they live their lives. It sets that example. And Proverbs 21, 26 says, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly are givers. They love to give. Listen to how the New English Version describes these greedy people talked about here in this verse. It says, all they do 
is think about what they would like to have. The righteous, however, can give and give and give and give generously because that's just who they are. They are generous givers. I want to go higher with God, and I believe you do too, but we can't do it by being selfish. Next level living requires next level giving. And so I would say this, next level livers are next level givers. See? Next, write that down. Next level livers are... Ne- I'm not talking about livers in here. I'm talking about next level livers are next level givers. That's what transforms your life. So do you want tomorrow to be different? Do you want a new level of faith with God? Do you want new victories in your life? Do you want new power in your life? Well, to go to the next level, it's going to, to need, you're going to need to ask God to give you new desires to give you new values, and to give you a new spirit of generosity. But this is what I want you to know. You can never outgive God. Never. And I, I want to say this almost as a prophetic word to you today. I sense the anointing of God on this statement. I believe that many of you are on the verge of the next level. You're so close. You're on the verge of the next level. You've done and are doing what's necessary. You have prepared yourself. And God will not disappoint you. You keep up the faith. You stand strong and true in what you know to be right. You are this close to the next level of God's blessing in your life. And I don't know what all that means, but God will make it clear to you. For some of you, that's going to be a healing in your physical bodies. For some of you, that's going to show up in a healing in your marriages. For some of you, it's going to show up in a healing in your finances and in your family and on and on. God is ready to take you to the next level. There are others of you that this kind of teaching is new but because of it you're going to make a new commitment today that you're going to the next level you're not going to stay down here anymore you're going to the next level and because of that I want to tell you that the blessings of God are coming to you in abundance very soon you start looking Lord I believe you've got something special for me I lay aside every distraction that tries to tell me it won't happen. Every lie of hell. I focus myself on you and I give you my needs so I can receive your blessing. Forgive me of every sin. Cleanse my heart completely. Make me pure so that I can receive your glory because I'm going somewhere. I'm I'm committed to going on up, to going on up for Jesus. I'm committed to a higher level. Things are going to start being different in my family and different in my life because of what you are going to do because of your faithfulness, dear Lord. Amen. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.